Welcome back to podcast 23, as we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And we're dealing with murder, adultery, and divorce today. So some very serious topics that uh, is very strongly discussed in the church. Yes. So, um, so today's episode is the third part of the Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is going to address the major issues of murder, adultery, and divorce. He's going to point out that man-made religion says, don't commit these acts and you'll be righteous in God's eyes. But he's going to say that murder, adultery, and divorce are simply symptoms of deep-rooted sin that is in the mind. He will show that the root of murder is anger. So mm-hmm. If you struggle with anger, listen to this. The root of adultery is lust. Mm-hmm. And the root of divorce is a hard heart. In this part of the sermon, Jesus is crying out to those in his kingdom, telling them to examine their hearts and their motives, because that is how God evaluates a person. So this is podcast 23 in the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. And today's episode is titled The Sermon on the Mount, Murder, Adultery, and Divorce, and is taken from Matthew 5, 21 through 32. Uh, I'm Pastor Kenny Burge Jr., Associate Pastor at Colmer Manor Bible Church, and I'm joined by my father, Dr. Ken Burge Sr., graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, author of the Fire Series, and Senior Pastor at Colmer Manor Bible Church. And glad to be with you on National Sons Day. Can't think of a better way <laughs> to spend a day uh, than doing our podcast together. And it's possible today my son, my fourthborn, could be born. You never know. So... Uh, Anxiously waiting for that. Uh, don't worry, Becca's not at the hospital. <laughs> We're not recording this while she's there. That's right. But uh, by the time this is posted, a little Clark should be born. So we're very interested because uh, we're naming him uh, Clark Coffee. And uh, it's could be if it's tomorrow, which we're recording on a Thursday. So tomorrow, I believe, is what? American Coffee Day? Yeah. So if he's born then, um, he's born on Coffee Day, right? And if he's born on Sunday, it's International Coffee Day. I believe Perfect. someone in the church texted us and said, "Did you know about this?" And it's like, "No, no." So, <laughs> <laughs> looking forward uh, to that. So, um, we know once a baby comes, it'll be a little harder to record. So, um, I'm glad we can uh, do that today. Absolutely. Uh, any comments before we get us uh, started with this? Looking forward to getting into the um, study. Love how Jesus, this gets to the heart of the matter. You know, so many things are external with religion. And uh, Jesus says, no, we got to get beyond that because motives uh, stem from the heart. Yeah. So let's, let's get right to this. So Matthew 5, 21, uh, Jesus is going to start with the topic of murder. And he's going to expose that the true root of murder is unrighteous anger, mm. which consumes the heart and mind. I think. Don't, wouldn't you agree that it generally starts out as anger? Yeah. And it, I mean, it could even start as righteous anger, but then that can turn into something that is sinful. Absolutely. So uh, you have to be very careful <laughs> yeah. because I've seen people who were motivated by the right motives, um, seen injustice, but then they lash out and uh, they take on themselves the judge and executioner, which you cannot do. So um, Jesus is addressing, I think, anger in general here. Mm-hmm but especially unrighteous anger. And Jesus modeled this, yeah. you know, with the cleansing of the temple, yeah. beginning and end of ministry. 
righteous anger, but he didn't let it turn to sin. Yeah. Uh, we're commanded be be angry, but don't sin. You yeah. know, don't let the sun get down upon your wrath in Ephesians four. So this is dealing with something that I think is is very endemic. I mean, it's upon the people. Uh, many mm. have anger issues, and I don't think at times we take it serious uh, enough mm -hmm. what it can lead to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So he says, Jesus says in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. So obviously that's a true statement. <laughs> He's just making the point. Sure. Uh, murder is clearly a sin. I don't think anyone would really debate that. Any logical person would debate that. Yeah. Murder is unjustly taking the life of a human. Because obviously the Bible talk, capital punishment. Right. Um, governments are allowed to under those circumstances. But right. you cannot just take a life because you're angry, because you want something. That is murder. It's different from manslaughter. Yes. Uh, a human is made in God's image. So he is made in God's moral, mental, and spiritual image. Hmm. So moral because he knows right from wrong. All humans do. Right. Um, you can mar that image a lot, mm -hmm. but uh, it's still there. That's right. Uh, spiritual, he has a spirit that will never die. Mm -hmm. That's what we all have. Mental, he can think and create and has a mind. It separates him from the animal mm -hmm. kingdom. So God tells us not to murder. So first of all, it's a sin against him. Mm -hmm. And people are made in God's image. It's also... This sounds kind of like a jest, but it's not it. But it's not loving our neighbor as yourself. Exactly. <laughs> How do you love your neighbor if you kill him? You know. And it's such a serious topic. Yeah. When Noah gets off the ark, God establishes the capital punishment, but the reason is given because we are made in the image of God, and we're still made in the image of God. As smart as you comment on, but we're still in the image of God, and this goes across the board. It's a timeless truth. Sure that a lot of people don't want to recognize. So it's a serious topic that he's dealing with. And that's exactly why we would say with abortion yeah. um, is because the whole, the whole argument is when does a person basically have that spiritual image? Right. When is he in the image of God? Yeah. And I look at John in his mom's belly, Elizabeth, and he, his spirit was, he was filled that's right. with the spirit. So uh, obviously, if the baby has that capacity, when they're mm -hmm. still developing, mm -hmm. um, they're they're a human. So that's right. why we would say abortion also that's right. is murder. So uh, because you're taking someone who's innocent, someone who doesn't deserve it, made in the image of God. Um, so it's not loving our neighbor. We all know that murder is a sin. Mm -hmm. But what is the root of murder? He's going to show that it's a mind that is filled with anger and hate. So... Uh, there can be many different motives, I would say, but you usually hear the term crime of passion mm -hmm. because anger just gets the best of you and then you act foolishly. Um, but I tell you, Jesus says. Now, the religious leader said this, you have heard that it was said, do not murder, which is true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jesus isn't saying that's not true, but he's going to go to the deeper level. But I tell you, notice his authority. Everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hell fire. Now, uh, from what I read from my research, mm -hmm. I said that many manuscripts have the words without cause. So this passage could read, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister without cause, mm -hmm. which seems to be what Jesus is implying here. But uh, we see the progression 
from ang- of anger from an inner feeling, and then it moves to verbal insults, and then possibly to the very act of murder itself. But God is saying just having that anger inside of you, that hatred, is sin in above itself. So Jesus says, but I tell you, everyone who is angry with their brother or sister without a cause, as many manuscripts said, will be subject to judgment. So being unjustly angry with the brother or sister is a sin. Um, you, you just can't justify it. Uh, this person will be judged by God for their anger. And in God's eyes, this is the same as murder, which <laughs> that, that, that's pretty strong. That's a very strong statement. Six times what I tell you. Mm-hmm. So he's showing his authority, but also trumping the oral law because of the traditions passed down that the mm-hmm. scribes and Pharisees thrust upon uh, the people. He is dealing uh, here with the uh, core issue mm-hmm. of anger. And it's, it's such a dangerous thing because left unchecked, it, it can and in, in, cases leads to murder Hmm. and i just love again what he's doing because he's exposing that there's more than the act it's what goes right back Hmm. uh, to the heart real quickly i'd shared a story before but got a call before the days of caller id (laughs) Uh, a a man wanted a pastoral blessing you might say what did he want he wanted me to give permission for him to murder someone (laughs) he had been unjustly treated and wanted to rectify the situation. This man told me he was a member of Mensa. Uh, those who are in a genius category. <laughs> I've never had that issue. And uh, he, talking to him, it sounded like he could carry it out. And then, of course, as I knew what I needed to share with him, a key question comes to my mind. Does he know where I live? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I walked him through this passage showing that he was as guilty as a man who had hurt him. Although it was a horrible thing to individual did upon this man, it still does not justify uh, murder. But the man thanked me at the end of the conversation. I could tell the spirit of God brought conviction. Never talked to him after that. Don't know what happened. But I, mm. my best guess would have been that he did not go out and, and act upon this because the spirit of God seemed mm. to bring conviction to him. And I pray that as he heard the gospel from me that he came to Christ as well. But you got to get to the heart issue. And that's why it's important to understand too these Verses are all in context with the rest of the sermon, how we're supposed to be salt and light, uh, love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us. So that all works hand in hand with all of these issues. Exactly. They're not separate. Um, we teach them separate simply because of time restraints. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's all part of a thought that's all flowing together. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this murder, you know, we're not supposed to be angry and upset at our brother or sister. Why? Because we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be kind, poor in spirit, merciful, showing love to those who offend us. So we have to keep that in the back of our minds, too. So when God looks at a man, um, he looks at his inward part where mankind looks at the outside. So you can hate somebody, but if you don't kill them, a lot of people are like, well, that's fine with me because I don't care about your inner life. Mm -hmm. Where God says, I see that and that's sin in your heart. Yeah. So, uh, and that's what God's law, I think, does. Mm-hmm. Jesus, they show that your inner motives themselves can be sin, um, which most religious systems say, as long as you don't act on it, who cares? So uh, it shows you the power of the thought life. And for the child of God, 
we're commanded not to grieve the spirit mm. of God. But it's interesting where Paul begins in Ephesians with all bitterness, mm. wrath, and anger be put away from you with all malice. Uh, obviously getting at the heart issues, but when we carry those things, we don't walk with God because we have injured, pained the spirit of God by our thoughts. Yeah. So, and we see how people will be judged for that. Right. So they will be judged. And then Jesus progresses. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. So the anger turns into personal insults. Mm. I saw the, uh, the Republican debate last night. Mm. <laughs> there was plenty of that. <laughs> but it's amazing. You, yeah. can, you can just look at people and they'll shake each other's hands and try to act like they like each other. Mm -hmm. But you can honestly see the hate inside of them towards other individuals. Yeah. And it really comes out when people are all jockeying for the same position. That's right. Um, and that's where the insults just start getting hurled. Mm -hmm. And uh, God notices those things. Right. And these insults are evidence that the person is guilty of unrighteous anger. Mm -hmm. His feelings of anger causes his mind to lash out and reveals the sin that is already in his heart and mind. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see, instead of hacking away at the symptoms, we need to hit the root of the issue. Exactly. But Jesus has a little bit more to say. Whoever says you fool, Jesus says, will be subject to hell fire. So these insults turn into verbal abuse, which also prove that a person is bound for hell's fire. That's strong words. And this is, remember, this has come from Jesus who will judge all of mankind. Yeah. So he knows. Yeah. Um, so uh, hellfire is interesting because mm -hmm. we look at the Valley of Hinnom, um, which was a place near Jerusalem. And it's the place where child sacrifice occurred. Uh, I remember uh, hearing about that and reading about it. And Solomon actually uh, set up places to worship there, which is disgusting. And basically, they would have these long slides and you'd put your, your baby on it and just roll them into the fire. And uh, tradition says that they would beat the drums to drown out the sound of the cries of the babies. Heartbreak. So a horrible um, thing. Over time, uh, this became a trash dump where those in Jerusalem would dump their trash. And what do you do with trash? You burn it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, this, this place became the representation of God's wrath or hell. Um, so people would think, okay, bodies of our ancestors, babies are burned there. They would play the drums to drown out all the sound of mm. the screaming. Then it's trash is being dumped there. It's on yeah. fire. Uh, it's probably one of the most horrible places you could go. But Jesus says, whoever says you fool, whoever is lashing out in anger, uh, that's what awaits them, hellfire. So those who are angry and abusive are heading towards hell's fire. So this is serious in Jesus's eyes. It isn't, oh, you have anger issues and laugh it off. No. It's, uh, it's serious. Sadly, from empty heads come empty words. And that's oh. why we have to fill our mind with God's word so we can control our, our tongues. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, but I say unto you, every idle word men shall speak. They'll give an account of it at the day of judgment. And the translated uh, term here, hellfire, is the first of 12 uses mm -hmm. in a New Testament of this term. Jesus gives us 11 out of the 12. He takes hell as a, as a literal mm -hmm. uh, place. Thankfully, Josiah uh, shut that down, but even in um, setting up that uh, dump there, where the fires would burn, really gave quite a picture. Uh, so again, 
Jesus is warning, wow. unless your righteousness uh, exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, guys, you know what? You're in trouble. And, and now we're getting into such terminology as hellfire. Yeah. And I hope all our listeners feel that helplessness because it's like, I've been angry before. I'm subject to hellfire. And it's like, yes, you are. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need the grace of Jesus. And uh, once we're saved, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit and the word, mm -hmm. which is alive and active to keep us from getting unjustly angry. So um, if you're feeling those feelings right now, well, that's me. That's a good feeling because you're seeing, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you mm -hmm. can't keep yourself from getting angry in above your own strength. Um, so uh, I think that's the point Jesus is making too, to those even in his kingdom, you need him. So mm -hmm. uh, all of these are the same as murder in God's eyes. So as a side note, uh, physical murder is often caused by crimes of passion. Mm. Someone's mind is filled with hate and it progresses to harsh words. And then the act manifests itself into the physical act of murder. Mm -hmm. So G God is saying, hey, I, I judge you when that's all even in your mind, when you're not when you're tempted, because obviously being tempted isn't a sin. It's mm -hmm. when your mind is dwelling on those thoughts right. and embracing those thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've, I've had people who, when they're tempted, feel like they're sinning. It's like, you're not sinning yeah, when you're right. tempted in your mind. Jesus himself was tempted. Mm -hmm. It's, do you dwell on it? Do you embrace it? Or do you fight and say, no? <laughs> um, you see, the religious teachers simply addressed the physical act of murder mm -hmm. and missed its root cause. They okay. ignored its core. Mm -hmm. They said, do not murder or you will be punished. Jesus said the root of the issue and in God's eyes is seen as murder is if you are angry at your brother or sister. Mm. So we have to say, Christian, are you consumed by unrighteous anger? Um, you are called to show forgiveness and mercy, not anger. And I think it's an issue that needs to be resolved quickly. Absolutely. Um, if you struggle with anger, uh, pastor and I would both say, please sit down with us or your pastor, if you're at a, another church, sit down with your pastor board, Depends on how your church is set up, how big it is, mm -hmm. and uh, make a biblical game plan to right. overcome the terrible sin of anger that is rooted in your heart and mind. Um, I think the problem is a lot of people are too ashamed to admit that they have issues where uh, I think that's why James says we confess our sins to each other. We come and say, hey, this is a weakness of mine. Uh, give me biblical advice. Keep me accountable. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be an angry person anymore. So. Seek out your pastoral staff or the board or godly men and women and let them keep you accountable. That's what people have to accept is that we're commanded to put off the old. Mm -hmm. And that's in Ephesians 4 with the section dealing with anger and put on the new. And Paul sort of repeats himself the same theme because when you get down to grieve not the spirit, you know, that's putting off. But then he tells them what they need to put on yeah. in its place. And that's why you need to be in a local church, right. <laughs> not just your Internet. Um, because you have to have those people who keep you accountable and actually see you and mm -hmm. can interact with you. Mm -hmm. um, Jesus will then give practical advice because I bet his people, the people listening to this sermon have a lot of conviction. <laughs> I'm sure. So Jesus does more than just point out the root. Um, he's going to show them what they should do. So he's addressing those who have sinned, perhaps in anger, mm -hmm. against someone else and have not resolved the issue. And this is a great uh, principle to take. Mm -hmm. Verse 23, so if you are offering your gift on the altar 
And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Now, this is implying you've done something to them. All right. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother and sister, and then come and offer your gift. Simple illustration. Yeah. You've gone to the temple to give your ceremonial sacrifice. Then you remember that you have not resolved a moral issue with your brother or sister. Mm-hmm. You're the one at fault. So you leave the ceremonial sacrifice and you go and rectify your moral offense. This is really based off our last two podcasts. Right. So uh, we won't go into all that with ceremonial and mm-hmm. uh, moral, but um, listen to those if you have questions. After dealing with the root of the issue, you can return and give your sacrifice. So uh, I've heard people twist this where it's like if someone has something against you, you need to go and rectify it. It's like, if you have to go and meet with everyone who has an issue with you, (laughs) you're never going to worship. That's exactly Um, right. This is talking about you're the one who offended. And then Jesus gives another simple illustration using wisdom if you have sinned. Mm -hmm. He says, reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to court. So, Or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Mm. Another simple illustration. uh, If you have offended someone, meet with that person and settle the matter quickly. Seek their forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Do not wait. Act quickly before it's too late. Mm. And it it seems here your adversary is in the right because they're going to hand you over to the judge and the judge is going to find you guilty. So uh, if you have an offense against someone, settle it quickly, Mm. um, especially if it's anger or any kind of sin. Mm -hmm. Um, Any thoughts before we move to adultery? Yeah, real quickly. And it says it's kind of a a humbling story. But I I remember many years ago uh, when I had first begun to pastor it and I was preparing for communion and God brought something back to mind. Uh, When I had played high school tennis, which was many years before then, uh, one of the players had loaned me a tennis racket, never thought twice about it. But I kept the racket over all those years. And God really had convicted me that I needed to go and give that racket back. And I took mom and uh, I remember going to the um, sporting goods store, walking in, handing the player, apologizing to him. I said, this was wrong. I'm a Christian and this is one I should have done. And he didn't know what to say, but it was all right. But I think this is the idea, you know, when when there's something on your conscience and you know you got to get it right with God, just go get it right with God. And if it's between someone else, go to that person and, and, and get it right. And we're called to... Uh, humility and and making sure we have a clean conscience. I think in a sense, um, not in a self-righteous sense, but that makes you a better person Yeah. when you humble yourself and say, no, what I did was wrong. Yeah. And just, I think people respect you for that too, yeah. because we tend to be in the culture now where everyone just always wants to say, hey, I'm so bad. I'm so bad. It's not talking about that. Right. This is talking about you offended someone. You're like, I'm really right. sorry for what I've done. Exactly. Forgive me. Um, and that takes humility. That's part of being poor in spirit. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus is going to transition to the sin of adultery. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the simplest definition I can give is adultery is making love to someone who is not your spouse. Right. Okay. Uh, we all know that adultery is, is a sin, but what is the root of it? Um, lust is the root of adultery. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us do it. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. And that's correct. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus is just stating a, a true fact. And right. the teachers of his day simply addressed the physical act of adultery, mm-hmm. but they missed its root cause. They ignored its core. 
They simply said, do not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is going to attack the root of the issue. And I think that's what we have to see. He's God, yeah. God in flesh. So he's the one who gave out these laws. <laughs> As they mm-hmm. said, he's the one mm-hmm. who wrote the Ten Commandments. Right. So uh, he's saying, this is really what God is all about, his heart. But I tell you, okay, now this is God speaking. Everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So the person who lust has already sinned. In God's eyes, they have committed adultery. Mm. We have to remember in Bible times, adultery was death penalty. Right. <laughs> Wasn't a little slap on the wrist. Um, many struggle with lust, mm. but they don't seek the help of their local church. So they keep falling into the sin. It becomes a never-ending cycle of shame. Lust is a serious problem that needs to be addressed by godly individuals mm-hmm. who can lovingly hold you accountable and keep you from this sin. The church is there to support and help those overcome your lust, but you have to reach out and seek their help. You get a rare character like Job, and he goes, <laughs> yeah. I made a covenant with my eyes. Yeah. Why then should I look upon a young maiden to lust after her? Job no. 31. One, for most of us, we need accountability. No. And that's where the Church of Jesus Christ comes into play so we can check on those. And I've had great respect. I know men who have traveled, and this isn't uncommon. And they would say, Pastor, will you check with me when I'm in my hotel room? Because, you know, I have access to things I normally wouldn't have access to, and I just don't want to sin. I appreciate that. And that's, I think, what is supposed to happen so we can help each other in these times of temptation. And everyone struggles with different lusts, too. Right. So we always try to justify our own. Right, And that's why I think you need to talk to uh, wise, godly people about it, because they'll say, no, you can't justify that. So um, we see that lust starts in the heart. And we were just talking. uh, You have to put up guards. Yeah. Um, I'm not giving my children cell phones. Yeah. At least not till they can drive. And then once they can drive, I think there will still be restrictions with that. Yeah. Because I've grown up in the generation where everyone gets in trouble, texting, internet, whatever. Sure. And uh, it's lust. Um, You know, I look at my daughters. They're probably going to have more boys lusting after them. I mean, they can obviously lust too. So you have to say, what's their accessibility? What can they do as a good godly parent? Um, But we have to set up safeguards. So uh, We ignore, and it's a sad thing. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill in its lust. We have to be proactive and make sure that if there's anything that's going to take us down sin's corridor, we just cut it off. And I think that we're just protecting our children Mm -hmm. when we do things like keep them from temptation or not. They they can't handle. And we need to, we just have to use common sense. Uh, I look at Christians (laughs) and we were talking about that concerts. Yeah that these fathers take their daughters to. Um, if the woman's running around mostly undressed, yeah. I don't care how popular she is. Yeah. If her name is Swift, <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, that, that's going to make lust happen in your heart. Yeah. Um, if you have one hormone in your body, <laughs> yeah. you know, unless you're a eunuch or something, but it's like, come on, people, just use common sense. Um, we know that uh, even the TV shows we watch. We watch. I was watching with my wife uh, the other day, an old Perry Mason, and uh, most of them are good, but one turned on, and you could just see where the episode was going, right. where it's trying to expose you. So it's like, I don't care if it was made in, what, 1950, 1960, uh, yeah. sin is sin. Yeah. So you turn it off. 
Um, so we have to be extremely cautious. And that is what Jesus himself is going to say here. So Jesus will use vivid overstatements to emphasize the importance of removing anything that causes lust. Yeah. After all, those who live in his kingdom should not lust. And if I could just comment yeah. here, he's dealing with marriage. And I, I, I just have to say, I'm amazed at I'll see married couple and the one spouse is with someone else because they're separated oh. and, and other Christians are writing, oh, that's a cute picture. <laughs> and I'm going, it's with somebody outside of their spouse, obviously in the dating context. Oh. Or people who are now fornicators. Mm. And, you know, while well, they've been together so long, it's as if they oh. are married. You know, marriage was a, a, a sacred institution. And I think even in a Christian context, we, we have just dropped the ball in extraordinary ways. And you have to ask the question as it mm. go back, because people were permitted or they permitted themselves to lust yeah. that took them where they shouldn't be. Yeah. And the answer is yes. Well, I mean, just to give one more illustration, I always love the superheroes. Um, coming up, I had all the little superhero action figures sure. and stuff. But um, as you get older, you start seeing how those women are dressed, mm -hmm. even in the little toys. And it's like uh, what I had in innocence, sometimes now I look at, and it's like even maybe how it's just progressed with time. Um, it's like I, I, the things I used to enjoy <laughs> yeah. with that I took um, – I can't let my daughters play with those things or look at those things yeah. because it's going to be setting them up for failure too. Sure. So um, it's just a lot of common sense. Exactly. But we like lust. I guess that's the whole point of lust. Yeah. We like it. We enjoy it. And we, we've we, justified we it in the Christian community. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Jesus now is going to lay down the hammer and he's going to give um, vivid overstatements, emphasizing the importance of removing anything that causes lust. After all, those who live in his kingdom should not lust. Once again, you need the grace of God. So if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Mm. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Clearly, Jesus is not calling you to literally cut off your hands or pluck out your eyes. Sure. Why? Because you can still lust right. without hands or eyes. Uh, lust starts in the mind. So Jesus is saying, do whatever it takes to address the issues of lust. This is where we need to be radical right. and where yes. many don't want to go these days. That's where you're going, oh, and you know, and right. I can imagine it's a rarity for you not to give your children a cell phone because right. it's so common today. And, oh. and I know I've counseled over decades when people, particularly guys, you know, mm. get caught up in a pornography mm. and it was when the phone was handed to them and mm. no one was checking on them and they had access to it. So he, Jesus saying be a little radical here. Mm. And honestly, you got to fear God so much. You don't care what people think, yeah. because if you do care what they think and you just want to go with status quo, you're going to take your entire family down the wrong path. Yeah. So, and it doesn't matter what age you are. No matter. <laughs> no. So, uh, I like to joke. I'm, you know, I'm 62, but I'm not that old. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It's true. It doesn't change. You, you still got to guard your heart. You got to guard your eyes. It doesn't change. And if you ever feel like you're safe, that's probably when you're in the worst shape. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. I know this is a longer podcast, but these are true things that we must address. Yeah. Jesus addresses them. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard of people say that, 
they have trouble with the computer, so they take the door off the hinge, mm-hmm. you know, so you can walk in any time. Sure. Um, so once again, sit down with your pastor, sit down with wise people who have victory over lust. Sure. Um, don't go to someone you're just comfortable with who struggles with the same thing and uh, ask them, how did you overcome it? What did you do? Mm-hmm. And they'll open up and they'll share with you. So now we're going to look at the final issue today of divorce. Um, Jesus will show that divorce comes from having a hard heart, a heart of stone. And I think that's really a hard heart towards God Mm. and his law. Mm -hmm. Um, Divorce is different from other issues Jesus had dealt with. Everyone knows murder is wrong. Right. (laughs) Everybody knows adultery is wrong. We might commit it, but we kind of know it's wrong. Divorce is one of those issues that was a little different. Uh, Many teachers in Jesus's day taught that divorce was not a sin and a husband was justified in simply writing a certificate of divorce for any reason. Uh, Rabbi Hillel, who was in Jesus's day, Mm -hmm. he wrote, and it later appeared in the Mishnah, a man may divorce his wife due to minor issues. Now listen to this. Because she burned or oversalted his dish. Mm. (laughs) And then they try to back it up with scripture. Because he found some unseemly matter in her. <laughs> so your wife burned your toast, so therefore you can divorce her. Yeah. So Jesus is kind of doing away with that foolishness. And Jesus will say that divorce, and this is important, except for causes where there is sexual immorality is a sin. Um, I know we're going to look at this, but we both laugh because when we post certain sermons, or mostly your sermons, Certain topics make people very angry. Yes. And one of them is divorce. That's right. Um, it's a 50-50 split. <laughs> it really is. I, I think we're yeah. 60-40. We're coming out ahead. Yeah. And this one same guy keeps, we're joking about it. Uh, six times how much he hates the sermon. I got to, you know what? Don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead. Too bad it wasn't monetized because <laughs> all his views would have brought up. Uh, That's right. But, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But this is a very hot topic issue, but. Jesus addresses it. He does. It's obvious. So it was also said, this is verse 31. Whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. So we see that divorce was allowed by God, Mm. but he hates it. Um, We see in the Old Testament, the Bible actually says that God hates Hates divorce. divorce. Jesus would later say in Matthew 19, we're going to see five through six and verse eight as he's addressing this issue. Mm Mm-hmm. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Mm. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And then he talks about divorce. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives Mm. because of the hardness of your heart, but it was not like that from the beginning. In other words, he's saying you shouldn't divorce. But God permits it due to sin, due to hardness of hearts. So God hates divorce. And Jesus will explain that the only reason a person can be divorced in God's kingdom is due to sexual immorality. If I could just chime in real quickly. You know, culturally, there's a lot of pressure on where you come out on this entire issue. And And the pendulum has swung. But I've watched people just redefine this. And I'm a big fan of uh, DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary. But, you know, when Dr. Ryrie was dealing with, he said, well, this is not marriage. This is consanguinity. 
ancestral uh, marriages, and he would refer you back to Leviticus 18. Well, Leviticus 18 is not talking about ancestral marriages, just incest. And then uh, some of us came under the Bill Gothard period, and it was, oh, no, this is, um, you know, betrothal period. This is that time of engagement, we would say. It's an official binding engagement, but that he's dealing with marriage. And I think that's very clear from here. And then when it gets picked back up, as we'll look at in the future, Matthew chapter 19 as well, the the context is clearly marriage. And and we're going to see that you can divorce if there is sexual immorality. Um, That is justified. So if you're listening to this and you're divorced, then it's because either your husband or wife cheated on you or you have our sympathies. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a horrible thing. Divorce is always painful. But at the same time, that is justifiable in God's eyes if it's because your spouse has cheated on you. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully you can reconcile it, but we know from counseling people, if someone's going to cheat, they're going to (laughs) cheat. And uh, we'll later see with Paul, even abandonment, because generally you're abandoned because you're going with somebody else. (laughs) We always seek reconciliation. Is the book of Hosea brings out the heart of God is reconciliation. You do everything possible to bring the couple together. I've seen many restorations from couples that have experienced adultery, and we praise the Lord for that. But by and large, just what you said, when people are going to go out and they'll just continue to be in adultery, then the the injured party does have that right uh, to divorce. And I believe based on the the grammar, even in Matthew 19, and to remarry. And this isn't our own just feelings. This is God's word. Exactly. I mean, it's direct. So, but I tell you, Jesus says, everyone who divorces his wife, except in the case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Hmm. So Jesus says the only way a man can divorce his wife is if she is sexually unfaithful to him. That is the only grounds. If people divorce for any other reason, in God's eyes, they are still married. So if they are still married in God's eyes and they marry someone else, they have committed adultery. So it's very simple. Mm. So uh, divorce, except for the cases of sexual immorality, is a sin. Mm. And what is the root of it? According to Jesus, it's a hard heart. Um, You're not being that city on a hill. You're not being salt and light. Uh, And obviously, this isn't talking about the person cheated on. This is talking about the person who wants to divorce for, I'm not happy. Right. You know, you're you're not giving me what I thought, you know, yeah. and then it's like, that's a hard heart to the Lord and to your spouse. Um, with all that said, I think uh, we'll jump into our single employment point because yeah. this was a long, long, little bit of a longer podcast. Mm-hmm. Like we kept them moving, but um, employment. So Jesus revealed the roots of multiple sins. Uh, Jesus took the time to explain that evil thoughts, such as anger, lust, and a hard heart, are just as sinful as murder, adultery, and divorce. Mm. And that's when you're when you keep you embrace those thoughts mm-hmm. in your mind. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're fighting them. We all fight anger. Sure. We all fight lust. Right. We all fight a hard heart. Uh, but uh, it's when you kind of embrace those things. Um, his desire was for all those who belong to the kingdom of God to evaluate not only their actions, but also their thoughts. Mm -hmm. God desires his children to have pure hearts. Therefore, each Christian must examine his or her thought life. And that's Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. And we see, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. 
See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Uh, Once we examine our lives, we must do whatever is necessary to remove sin from our lives. Mm. And the best way is to go to our spiritually mature brothers and sisters and seek counsel and set up plans to overcome your sin. And uh, that's one of the best things I think you can do. Mm-hmm. Question I need to ask myself are questions. When I sin, do I simply look at the symptoms of my sin or do I find the root which caused me to sin? And uh, if you're looking at symptoms, I figure that's when it becomes the revolving door. Mm-hmm. I lust, I sin, I look at something I shouldn't, I confess it, I feel yeah. guilty. Repeat, 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 um, where you need to look at the root. Am I willing to remove that sin which ensnares me? Once again, the whole idea of lust is you like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. natural. Yeah. Um, am I too proud to admit to others in the church that I'm struggling with that sin? Mm. Uh, and thought, am I living like I belong in the kingdom of God, or am I living like the Pharisees, trying to deceive others that I am righteous while my mind is embracing sin? Am I having victory over anger and lust and hard-heartedness, or am I losing these battles, and is my salt losing its taste, and am I putting my light under a basket? Uh, Galatians 5.16, I say then, this is to Christians, Walk by the Spirit, and you certainly will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Um, Before we finish, any thoughts, anything you want to add? Romans 6 is a a great section for people to memorize. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin and plug your vice in there? Mm -hmm. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Christ's death and our connectivity to him in our position gives us the ability to overcome all these Mm -hmm. things. We're excuseless. And we need to apply the scripture because when we're in the realm of the spirit mm. and not in the flesh, we're going to have that victory. Yeah. And I say all of these um, sins, anger, the root of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> anger, lust, um, hard-heartedness really destroys families. Um, that's what they do. And I, we see, first of all, that our family is a unit that is supposed to reflect you know, God's union with Jesus and the church, the yeah. husband and wife. and. When people embrace these things, all of a sudden, it just uh, starts to shatter that image. So uh, this is important. Um, I want to say on a personal note, I always enjoy doing these podcasts. You know, uh, we talk before and after them, so people don't get to see a lot of that. But this is very enjoyable. Absolutely. I I always listen to Michael Card's podcast. Really enjoy it. And I think he said he's 70. And uh, listen to Michael Card's music. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Put it simply, but like I saw that uh, he just came out and said in this season in his life, you know, he needs to retire from yeah. being on the road and his podcast, which was a radio show is stopping, which had started like in the late eighties, early nineties, you know, I was born in 89. So <laughs> it gives you an idea, but uh, just how we got to enjoy this time together doing these podcasts and uh, it's, it's a fun thing to do. I'm Amen. glad we get to All talk right. about these serious issues. Yeah. And help people along the way. Um, yeah. I think that's important. So uh, all these issues, address them with your church. Address them because yeah. uh, we're just Christian people talking to you, giving you advice. But you have to then take that advice, which is based on scripture, and then apply it. So uh, I know a lot was wrapped up in there, but uh, that was podcast 23. The Sermon on the Mount, Murder, Adultery, from Matthew 5, 21 through 32, in the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus says in the New Testament. 
And in our next podcast, we're going to look as Jesus teaches on telling the truth, going the extra mile, and loving your enemies. So we'll see you next time.